welcome to the Escape Hatch Books. We're half bookstore, half comic shop, half publishing company, half game shop, and as of this moment, half podcast studio. If you notice that math doesn't check out, you haven't visited us recently. Today we'll be talking about Snagglepuss Chronicles. Come sit with us. All right, we are going to discuss Exit Stage Left, the Snagglepuss Chronicles. Heavens to Murgatroyd! By Mark Russell and Mike Fian. Mark Morales, I believe, was the inker on that. Checking, checking, uh, let's checking. Let's see. Let's see credit to our letterers and colorists and such. Mark Morales was the inker, yes. Yes. And now, I... Mark Russell, what do we know him from? The Deficit Rag. The Deficit Rag. Oh, yeah, the Deficit Rag. Other. No, uh, this is not. Different Mark Russell, not the political musician slash, I guess, comedian. <laughs> this is Mark Russell, the comics writer. Yeah. Kind of playing with the timelines a little bit. He did a run on Prez, which was fantastic. The sort of the return of Prez, the first teenage president. And what yes. do we know about Prez, right? <laughs> well, Prez is a well-known joke in the comics community. It originated in 1973. Famously was written by Joe Simon, who is well-known in the comics community as half of the creative team of Captain America, who most people will remember debuted in 1940, 41. So by 1973, Mr. Simon was maybe not hip with the kids. <laughs> and yeah, the Prez series is kind of a reactionary fear thing. They had just dropped the voting age to 18 and it's an old man panicking about what would happen if teenagers were in charge uh, this is, is known to be fantastically bad mm. it had a brief resurgence in i want to say 93 comic written by ed brubaker as part of the uh, vertigo they reached back and brought back a bunch of very short-lived dc characters from 1973 brother power the geek <laughs> <laughs> you know the well-known ones yeah 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 so Mark Russell, again, is even in that, in his first thing, is choosing to, to work with established characters and weave a story around them. And his yes. his prez is a different prez than in the prez. In his case, it's a teenage girl. Again, taking that course of playing with what's already out there and then weaving a story into it, which I have to say, in Snagglepuss, he does so mm. insanely well. And mm. also did really well on his Flintstones run. Yeah, I and feel like this is maybe just his thing. He's going to be responsible for getting me to read a lot of stuff that I can't <laughs> imagine I would ever have read, so. So, uh, warning right off the bat that Exit Stage Left is very much the comic title immediately signaling that uh, there will be politics because, sadly, some things are still political that don't feel like they should be, but there we are in the world. And a non-political discussion I don't think is going to be entirely possible uh, where this comic this is concerned. Considering this takes place oh. in the McCarthy era, uh, yes, I don't think it is possible. There will be raised the phony cry that you're interfering with academic freedom. I would like to emphasize that there is no academic freedom where a communist is concerned. And just to, just to spoiler alert right off the bat, they're against them. Uh, the comic <laughs> itself is, is not a fan. Uh, Very anti-McCarthy, which is a yes, bold stance yeah, to take. So the, the premise for, for those who are uninitiated and... If you have not read this series, it's only six issues long. It's available in trade paperback. We at the shop still have the original <laughs> floppy copies, which are well for now a pleasure to read because they have some really lousy supporting material as uh, secondary stories. Hello, Sasquatch Detective. <laughs> don't but, go look that up. Just don't. Just let it be. But the premise is that in this telling, 
Snagglepuss is a gay Southern playwright in the 1950s who was on the wrong side of the McCarthy ire that was rising in the country at that time and is dealing with all of that while also dealing with a cadre of friends pulled from Hanna-Barbera cartoons, the yeah. novelist Huckleberry Hound. And a hound dog, how did do you? The closeted police officer, Quick Draw McGraw. Shucks. I had the bullet in backwards. Career police officer. <laughs> uh, family. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds like it might be the dumbest thing that anyone's ever done, and it is incredibly special and so good. So I had read Prez, Mark Russell's Prez. The 1973 one missed me by a few years. Can't say the same. <laughs> but I had read Prez when it came out and really liked it. Read it monthly as it came out. And... So when DC did a bunch of their heroes crossing over with Hanna-Barbera characters as sort of a, they did a bunch of specials with that. The backup in one of them was, I don't know, 10 page. This was in the back of Suicide Squad Banana Splits, which was the crossover. That's a natural. And if that's the direction James Gunn goes with the next movie, I am all for it. It's, it, it really can do nothing but improve. There was a backup to that, and I immediately showed it to Joe, my brother here, as a, you know, there's reason to think this, this could be either the dumbest thing ever, the most insulting, oh my God, why are they doing it? When it was clear that the direction Snagglepuss was going was that he was going to the house on american activities committee hearings and like oh this could be so insulting this could be so it could be done so poorly this could be so reductive this could be so just awful i am happy to report <laughs> that they nailed the landing they also to, to me they also nailed the beginning yes which is the and the end the, and so everything most in between. the middle when we enter this book, we don't meet Snagglepuss right away. We see Snagglepuss on the cover. Who we meet at first is a what you would think, I guess, would be a typical 1950s husband, housewife, out for dinner kind of very pleasant couple. And they're in a bit of a hurry. They're at a restaurant. They're in a bit of a hurry because they're trying to make a show. And it seems perfectly wonderful. But you are kind of slam dunked right into your moment when you realize a few pages later that the show in quotation marks. Well, they actually stretch you out through the whole first issue with most of this. Oh, this only near the end, yeah. It's a show so they jump right is, to... It's not yeah. Snagglepuss's stage presentation or any of these things that, that we're going to think. It's the, it's the Rosenberg... Execution. Execution. Executions, yeah. They're, um, they're tickets to an execution. They yeah. missed the first one. Spoiler. Yeah. Just brutal, but <laughs> the ability to tie social commentary into a cartoon universe while at the same time tying that cartoon universe accurately based on when the cartoons came out into actual historical events i can't think of anybody else that has done this better it's uncanny no. it's it's really amazing we so we had both read it monthly as it came out mm. and this was our first time going back and reading it all together as one story and it is even better all together with all the pieces coming together and the thing is i would say right off the bat that this comic has a lot to say a lot but somehow never feels preachy that is an incredible feat and i would argue or, or i would speculate that the reason that it never feels preachy is that it actually tells its story through the characters right and you actually are feeling sympathy for a pink talking lion um <laughs> who is here and also before we go too far down that 
down that road. Kudos to the artist. Yeah, Mike Fian. Who had, to the best of our knowledge, not done anything particularly notable prior to this. But it's hard to imagine somebody doing a better job with actually capturing human human emotion in non-human faces. Yes. And just kind of pulling you through that so that I think you are feeling these moments more than you're being told about them. And that's what keeps it from being breachy. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and really capturing one of the harder things to do, according to some artists, is to really capture emotion in a non-human face that, that conveys, you know, you can do anger, that's an easy one, but nuanced emotion, right. it might not be as easy, you know, with a hippo's face, because there's certain ways, you know, the mouth indicates certain things, and, exactly. all that, and obviously the, the entire face shape is different. He does an amazing job in there, uh, everything looks fantastic, there's obviously a lot of caricatures of real people. Yes. Though they don't... Uh, caricatures is an unfair way to play. They're not exaggerated or they're all no, pretty most, normal, really. Most of them are, are renderings that are precise enough that you can detect who, they, who they're intended to be. Hmm. Some of the characters are presented and only referred to by first name. Yeah. Like, I know we meet Lillian Hellman, I don't know that I don't know that we get her last name. We might at Maybe. some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dorothy Parker mm, yeah. is another one of his writer friends yeah. that he meets with occasionally. Yeah. And then we of course have the the politicians who are included. We yeah. well, of course Marion, his friend from <laughs> Yes. So, uh, yes. So one of the fun conceits of this book is that just after that scene that I mentioned that we opened with, with the couple who is going to see not the show, but the execution, we do cut to a scene of the show that is currently being mm. produced. We meet Snag that's where we meet Snagglepuss, but we also meet a cast of characters that sort of fleshes out that side of his world. Right. And that is where we meet, again, I don't believe his name is ever specified, but a character named Marion, who mm. is struggling mightily in his featured role. And does a terrible job as Huckleberry Hound. In what we come to learn as the story unfolds appears to be a stage play based on the story that we are reading that is unfolding <laughs> now. Right. And it's kind of self-referential in that way, which is really fun. But yes, he's... Uh, the play, I believe, is The Heart is a Kennel of Thieves. My yes. Heart is a Kennel of Thieves. Yes. yes. Uh, it seems to have a lot of parallels to the story that we are also learning that is unfolding yeah. in their... Well, I was going to say real lives, but obviously none of it's exactly real. But it feels real enough that it actually does feel like these might be real lives. Hmm. It really does. We also have wonderful political cameos from Nikita Khrushchev. Any mm. number of senators and... Yeah, Senator Nixon. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Vice uh, President Vice Nixon. Oh, sorry, yeah. yes. Yeah, and if you read through the series as we've just confirmed, yes, the kitchen debate is real. Yes, the cornfield largely All real. Happened, A bit not, exaggerated, yeah. but real. The actual corn throwing scene, <laughs> to the best of our knowledge, did not happen. Yeah, so that was clearly a gag. Um, no, no, don't ruin history for us. That happened. It's canon in my heart. <laughs> it's close it, enough. It may have happened. I didn't yep. read anything that said it didn't happen. Yes. Huckleberry Hound in this book, I think I could probably make myself cry thinking about Huckleberry Hound in this. Yes. It is... Which is, just for the record, not the effect the cartoons have on you, correct? <laughs> Some of them are pretty tough. <laughs> Depending on what Augie Doggy is up to at any given time, you know, I could yeah. have my heartstrings pulled. Well, and I mean, but, Oh My Darling Clementine is a fairly tragic song, um, so... <laughs> we meet these characters at a time when what is unfolding in the United States is by any reasonable definition, pretty disgusting. Mm -hmm. The 1950s, or at least that portion of the 1950s in the U.S. was a time of 
much paranoia and much misguided hatred. And uh, I am so glad we got over that. It's difficult <laughs> well, to imagine such a state of affairs. It's one amazing. Of the, one of the things, that's exactly where I was going with this, one of the things that is most depressing about really what is, it's a wonderful but fairly dark story. Yes. It doesn't really end on much of an uptick because we didn't either. And <laughs> the fact that we are still struggling with so much of the things that are portrayed here as being our big struggles of the 1950s, particularly some of them that we had the illusion that we'd put behind us and now circled back again is really, really difficult to wrap your brain around and just how circular all of this is and how much this story feels like it could just as easily be happening today. And uh, I, I think we had a quote from beloved first secretary of the Soviet Union, Nikita Khrushchev. Yes. That, uh, Nick was so, particularly... so this is in the beginning of the last issue yeah. and Nixon and Khrushchev are having their kitchen talks in this I believe it was like a model of, a, of an American kitchen that had been... The kitchen of the future. Right, the kitchen yes. of the future that they were showing off. Yep. And Nixon mentions how, how their creative exploits are the best in the world. And Khrushchev shuts him down entirely by saying, Your system is a sham that takes credit for the very things it tries to destroy. You worship the music of people who can't even drink from the same fountain as you. You celebrate the achievements of writers even as you blacklist them. Capitalism doesn't make you creative. It just makes you better at commodifying your victims. Just ouch. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, 1959, folks. Uh, 1959. Things have clearly changed for the better. No. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's Mark Russell putting words into Khrushchev's mouth. Uh, Kind of. Yeah. I don't think they're that far removed from um, The the, the sentiment of the time. Yeah. And you see it play throughout this book. We meet a cast of characters that is largely based in the entertainment industry is our as our mm. central core somewhat on the more artistic side as opposed to uh, there's there's some dialogue back and forth about the difference between an actor and a star yes and one of the funniest bits of that being when we see Marion the actor who's struggling in his stage performance <laughs> at some point in his in his arc they have to have the tough conversation with them that they think mm. maybe acting isn't really for him and that what he should be as a star and of course, Marion Morrison goes on to be John Wayne, perhaps the biggest movie star of the of the 50s. What I love most about this book is that it's only six issues long, and I feel like every issue has about 10 things that we could devote a podcast <laughs> to just unpacking how cool it is that Mark Russell found a way to work that into his story. It's on every level, whether it's politics, whether it's showbiz, there's so many points to be made. And obviously the disturbing ones about us as a people. I'd also like to point out, in addition to the the narrative being brilliantly structured and the, the quality of the writing being really on point, it's one of those wonderful examples of being a comic where the art is incredibly important to the understanding of the underlying ironies. The political points that are being made are used visually as well as through the yes. narrative. Yeah. There is a wonderful image where it's talking about the upstanding youth of America and the way the art is framed is just subtly off in a way that makes you immediately realize that there is more at stake than something wrong on the surface. Yeah. yeah. And it really it lays in especially during the trial scenes mm. with this constant subtle undermining of the propaganda. And I think that's incredibly effective from a visual standpoint. Totally agree. 
And it, yeah, we could not possibly overstate. It's always a wonderful thing when you stumble upon a Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips pairing where you've got what feels like the perfect writer and the perfect artist have come together to do work that mm. it's hard to imagine that anybody would be better in that pairing than those two. And for this book, at least, I don't know if I'd go so far as just an ongoing relationship like Brubaker and Phillips, but for this book, I don't know how or why they found Mike Fian, but thank goodness they did, because what he brings to this makes it so much richer than it might have been. No, and the odd part was the little teaser I had talked about that had wet our whistle for it. That's right, had another um, artist. Was Howard Porter, who is much better known in mm-hmm. comic circles, has a long career behind him as one of DC's top artists. And it's actually jarring to see this other portrayal of Snagglepuss at this point because yes. it's not—it's not the Mike Fian one though. And that character, he just nails it so perfectly. Mm. The emotion, the oh, just the conveyance of, yeah. of just these micro expressions on the animal people's faces, perfect and humanized without ever being. It's never silly. Right, like the is... easiest thing in the world with this book would be, like we had said, be preachy or goofy. Yeah, <laughs> and it somehow isn't. Nope. Which boy, that's a tightrope and a half. It really, it is. Again, credit to the artist. Yeah. Well, and it uses the fact that there are animals interwoven into the human world as a way to gently signify the integration of the other in with a very homogenous society. Right. And in that way, it's gently pointing out the people who are exceptions to the rule, but without ever ostracizing them. And I think that's really interestingly done, especially while it's pointing out that we've failed to do that with other humans. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hard for me to think that you could ever construct a scene in which it is revealed that a character's real name is Scotty Puss. <laughs> that is it's poignant. Yeah. How, how, did, poignant? How? How, how did you make Scotty Puss poignant? That shouldn't be possible. I can't imagine, and I, I don't want to go too far down this road because I don't want to spoil mm. plot points for people, but mm. I can't imagine that when Hanna-Barbera and DC decided, had whatever handshake agreement that they were going to introduce these Hanna-Barbera characters into the DC universe, that Hanna-Barbera would have necessarily given a green light to a story where one of their beloved characters commits suicide in despair. Oh no. <laughs> That's not actually the character, remember. <laughs> well, no. No, it's not, but the, we'll leave that there. I don't want to spoil. The, um, well, and props to whoever is the licensing guy at Hanna-Barbera at this point. Because the this chances one... that they allowed to be taken with their characters in Exit Stage Left, in the, the Flintstones that Mark Russell had done, in some of the other... I mean, Scooby Apocalypse is Scooby Apocalypse, and we, we can... <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this book is so good that it actually led me to earlier today to... Well, you actually pulled them, Fred, but thank you. But <laughs> we pulled the entire run of Wonder Twins... That Mark Russell recently completed because now I have to read that too. (laughs) Because if he can bring anything as interesting to that that he brought to this, I just can't think of another book that I've read that's tighter than this. That is what I would say about this book series as a whole. Every page has such a purpose to it. This is so tightly constructed and it is such an easy recommend for me because it's only six issues. And if I think the person I'm recommending this to could handle the dark subject matter that is very reflective of American history, I would absolutely do it. The dialogue is also really tight. It's very well edited. It doesn't have long deviations where anything unnecessary is said. It's very attentive to its turn of phrase. And I think as such, you get a lot of value out of the 
the fact that it is short. It's not pages and pages and pages of written material, but it makes its point very concisely and very effectively. I think it's just really well crafted. And part of the brilliance of making Snagglepuss the main character, sort of a Tennessee Williams slash Oscar Wilde type character, is you can pack so much into all the witticisms, into all of the retorts. And yes, every now and then he gets up there and is highfalutin and my plays are about, you know, the human struggle and all of that. <laughs> and again, added poignancy when you get to the kind of reveal at the end of, well, where these characters ended up. Which, well, and that to me is uh, the kicker that sort of ends all this with an exclamation point, is that not only has Mark Russell done a spectacular job, maybe he played with the historical timeline a little bit to fit things in, but by and large, he has fit this into an, a pretty accurate historical timeline as far as the world events and all that. But but not only the world events, but also the actual cartoon history of when these <laughs> characters were introduced dovetails right into the story that we're being told. Yes. And the series ends with a postscript that, again, I don't want to spoil it, but it ends with a postscript that ties these characters into the cartoons that you would come to know in the 60s and 70s so perfectly. And is it that, in a way that is such a gut punch, too? Yes. <laughs> and to have the serious literary aspiration and and artistic striving that is represented in these characters in the 1950s result in the so surface level and just basic cartoons playing for the easy laugh of Hanna-Barbera of the 1960s is like just yet another level of gut punch that this book delivers because by the end of this six pages you're you're kind of in love with these characters you are. and you want you're... so much more for them than what we know they got can we just go back to that one you're in love with these <laughs> Hannah barbera characters <laughs> it's, it's astounding and i will say the best thing about this book being so good is the expression that customers have when we tell them that we have a recommendation for them, and the next word out of our mouth is Snagglepuss. <laughs> uh, because yes. the audience that would read any other Snagglepuss product that's ever been put out is not the audience for this book. Therefore, the people that you're recommending this book to are not expecting to be recommended a Snagglepuss comic. No. But anybody that turns their back on it because of who the character is is missing out on a hugely incredible, incredible trip. Absolutely. And aside from the political and human aspects of the story, there's also a really interesting dialogue between the shape of politics and the shape of art and how they influence each other, which I was yes. finding especially Absolutely. gratifying. And in this and case... Very pertinent, especially in a time where quarantine is shutting down a lot of the arts, and what could be more relevant right now than a discussion of how important that is the shape of society. Yeah, and the, the points being made that, well, what is art but subversives. If your art isn't in some way subversive, what are you even doing? Yes, art, uh, art is a signal to the world that it needs to change. Yes, yeah. It's beautiful. It's really, really well captured on, on every front, and I don't know that I've read anything better. Mm. I don't know what higher praise that you can say to that, but for something as brief as it is, it's as, as tight as can be. This is in my top ten of comics of all time. Easily. Yeah. No, and it, it's a recurring theme. Joe and I on the way home from the shop the other day had the radio on and what should come on but Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA which is of course an anthem about how fabulous it is to live in the USA unless of course you actually look at the lyrics to that <laughs> which are all about how you know the town is falling apart around him and how rough the upbringing is and but I guess I can survive but 
it got bleached and whitewashed and yep. put out there as this anthem to America. And now, you know, you play it at political rallies and that is just what we do to things. Yes. <laughs> In a very real way. And yeah. it's not something that has gone away. It didn't go away with the witch hunts. It's not going to go away now. It is what we do. So do we even need to go around the table and ask whether we'd recommend this book? No, but you should anyway. <laughs> I think it's unanimous. It is utterly unanimous. I am immediately recommending this to anyone. And if they are are not familiar with the McCarthy era, it takes very little time to get them up to speed. Yes. And, and honestly, if you are not in tune with the era that's being spoken of, have Wikipedia nearby. You don't need deep, meaningful yep. understanding because he's telling a story that is contained. But if you just want those touch points to understand the context, a quick paragraph on Wikipedia and the, put you in the, the scariest thing to say in a comic about cartoon characters is if you read something and it seems too wacky to be real those are probably the real bits yes, yes. as far as we were able to tell on a rather superficial journey through and then personal recollection the historical bits that stand out seem to all be at least mostly based on actual events i didn't yep. catch anything that was right. entirely pulled out of the ether yeah so it's all there does anybody anybody want to try the voice anybody yeah. oh no absolutely not. exit stage left already <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and on the strength of that we are exiting stage left goodbye even <laughs> thank you for joining us